The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's another Thursday in Cowboys Nation, and that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with my man Tom Ryle and your boy Roy White at RW3 on Twitter, and of course Tom at Tom Ryle BTB on Twitter as well. You can follow all the fine work at Blogging the Boys by following the at Blogging the Boys Twitter handle, and then of course make sure to subscribe to that YouTube page as well for all the terrific content on there, including the post game show anchored by our boy RJ Ochoa. And I don't know if you've gotten to see any of those, Tom, but uh, those have been fun lately because the Cowboys have been dominant <laughs> lately. Three straight yeah. wins for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, four straight wins now for the Dallas Cowboys after dropping their season opener. They are 4-1, and one, cruising now into the soft underbelly of their schedule. Before we get into the start of the previewing of who they will face this weekend and the importance of that game, we first need to kind of take a look at what, how we got here and, and what we know at this point. The good news is a couple more players coming back from IR, Tom. Yeah, um, it looks like that. Uh, now I got now you hit me there and went a different direction. I got to double apologies. check. My, yeah, yeah. That uh, Kelvin Joseph and uh, John. I think Kelvin. I think Kelvin is the one that Cowboys fans are most excited about because yeah. his nickname is Boss Man Fat, and also because if he can be something special mm-hmm. or even something significant, then he helps fill one of the few holes that we seem to see along this entire team, right? Not just defense, not just offense. We're probably talking about maybe a a few handful of holes or a few small holes that he could potentially fill. Yeah. And I, I'm curious, not knowing uh, how he played in college, if he might not wind up filling a hole, most people don't expect, like, could he become the slot corner? Because, Jordan Lewis has been kind of quiet, which can be a good thing when you're playing in the secondary. But Anthony Brown has not had a bad stretch of games here lately. In case people haven't noticed, he's the second leading uh, interceptor on the team, if you will. And he got, of course, the pick six in, in the most recent victory over the New York Giants. So I'm just excited to see where Joseph will fit into the whole secondary. Um uh, And it's also interesting uh, that even though they're talking about who's coming back to practice, 
they're still talking about after the buy. It, it's starting to set up a lot like they're going to try to roll through the upcoming game against the New England Patriots without having to make any real adjustments to their personnel and just try to go with what they've got, which, you know, might get a little bit dicey because there were some players that wound up uh, on the injury list uh, at Cowboys practice today that I don't think we were expecting too much. Uh, DeMonte Casey uh, pulled up with what I saw mentioned as a hip injury. Haven't, haven't seen any updates on the status there. I just know he left practice. And we also had uh, Dorrance Armstrong uh, was not there. And the big one, as you mentioned, Trayvon Diggs. Uh, I don't think Diggs is seen as anything more than a little bit of a, a rest day. Uh, he apparently took some hits or something in the last game. There's no indication that he's going to be a problem. But I'm curious if KZ might be out, which could leave him a little shorthanded at safety. Uh, it could force them to rely a little bit on Israel Mukwamu. Uh, because who hasn't really seen much except some special teams work. But I have to admit, I've got a lot of faith in this staff to figure it out. And shall we say it, this might be a game at which you can get by with a little bit of degradation on your roster, as long as it's not too severe. I uh, hope we're not getting too cocky there, but, you know, we are going to have to watch the injury situation. And coming out of the bye this team could actually get stronger than it has been uh, ever stronger than it was week one, as far as its roster, which is a really weird thing to say, especially because it concerns so many players. There's like eight players right now that could show back up. Uh, so, so many that uh, McEwen is one that I always would forget in rattling off the list. And yet he is your obvious tight end three. And that makes him an important backup in case something should happen to Dalton Schultz or Blake Jarwin. So, yeah, it's like uh, it's a weird situation to be in that you're having to, to ask yourself over and over and over again, are we getting too cocky? Which is a fair question to ask, and I would be cautious about that. But for where we are and what we're up against – I don't think so. I truly mm -hmm. don't. And I think that's evaluating what the Cowboys have at their disposal, what they're still without, and what they're doing without those pieces. We are talking about a Cowboys team whose leading receiver, as of today, is not a wide receiver. is a tight end. And that is how versatile this offense has been. A team that came into the season – with arguably the top wide receiving core outside of maybe Tampa Bay with Antonio Brown filling that triumvirate. And they've not had Michael Gallup for four weeks now. And by the way, no one's sweating the fact that we're not hearing anything about his timeline. I would be interested to know when they expect Michael Gallup to at least get back to practice because that adds another dynamic weapon to their offense. But They've shown that they don't really need him to be there to be successful. And when you factor in also what they're doing in the run game without Lyle Collins, who is 
dealing with his own suspension and probably not going to have that resolved before the game this weekend. Oh, it, it has it has been ruled against. He will serve out his last game of suspension. Okay, no no surprise there, really, and, and maybe he can get some yeah. of that money back. But I say all that to say they are still rolling as well as any offense in the NFL. So based on yeah. what we've seen, I think there's significant room for improvement on what we've seen, and that's got to be scary for other NFL teams. Does that make us cocky, or does that make us, I think, evaluating what we've seen so far and what we know is coming down the pipeline? Demarcus Lawrence, Lyle Collins, Michael Gallup, boss man fat at some point, if not this weekend, right, are mm -hmm. all coming back. And those, in my mind, are significant pieces of what we expect this team to be by the latter half of the season. And Neville Gallimore and Donovan Wilson. You know, uh, you're talking a bunch of starters that they've done just fine without. And, and it's interesting. You, you mentioned the fact that the uh, that Schultz is the leading receiver. That's partly a reflection of the fact that they've been relying so much on the run game that the wide receivers have been used very selectively, just every now and then knife downfield and open up the defense a little bit so that the run game can get another 12, 15 yard on the ground mm -hmm. play. So, yeah, this is – it's, it's really, really an odd place to be because it's hard to see. And, you know, it, you always have this nagging doubt in your mind is, well, is there some chance that they're going to get exposed, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, that's apparently on the mind of some people up in the New England area. Well, and that's a perfect segue to what we are going to face this weekend. Now, before we get into that, particular piece of things because <laughs> that has kind of exploded on social media it if it's not in the cowboys locker room as bulletin board material it is cer <laughs> certainly on cowboys fans social media radars as bulletin board material as to why the patriots don't respect us and again we'll get to that in just a bit but perhaps we should first be asking that is this game ripe to be a trap game for the cowboys coming off of three straight dominant performances, several of them, right, all, really all of them at home, and then going to face a team on the road in an atmosphere like New England that has a head coach in Bill Belichick that should still be feared. And before I get to my take on whether or not I fear Bill Belichick without Tom Brady, I will say that as a coach, I certainly respect his ability to game plan, and I expect – him to throw some things at the Cowboys that will confuse them and that maybe they have not seen. Will that be enough? I don't necessarily think so, but as you astutely pointed out, and I'll allow you to get to it now, one writer in New England certainly thinks that it's the Cowboys and a particular side of their team that should be a concern going into this game. Yeah, um, and I would like to, just before I get to that, mention that even a year ago, I'd just point to Bill Belichick and say, yes, this is a potential trap game. Mm -hmm. Not sure. Right now, I just – I you come to a point, and I think he kind of overextended things or the team did, which I assume Bill Belichick really calls all the shots. They've gotten too far down the talent hole. 
They just have not adequately replaced what they've lost. And this team just does not have the tools and the horses, which was why it was so surprising to see that uh, a writer representing one of the radio stations up in the New England area said that the, uh, that the New England Patriots and Matt Jones were going to expose the overrated Dallas Cowboys defense. <laughs> yeah, and that was oh. kind of... You, when you read it, you could hear all the other people reading it on social media laughing that were down here in the Dallas area. Now, I'll caveat this, that, that a couple of our uh, other writers on blogging the boys that live up in that area said, you know, that station does tend to kind of throw some crap out and see if it sticks to the wall. Mm-hmm. So we have to mention that this was an obvious clickbait ploy, which worked to wild success and probably got read more in the Dallas Fort Worth area than it did up in Boston. So it's, you know, it's a, a fascinating take because their whole thing was they looked at, Oh, look at all these yards. The Cowboys have given up. Oh, look at all these, uh, you know, stats that they look bad in. Oh, look at, look at how uh, they're depending so much on Trayvon Diggs is intercepting the ball. And that's all a matter of luck and luck's got to change. I'm sorry. No, that's not what's going on because as I delved into in an article that's uh, going up on the site, I think shortly after we uh, go live with the podcast here, the, the, the performance of an NFL defense is more reflective of the quality of the offenses it faces. A lot of, you know, let me give you the prime example that I used. It's called the Washington football team. They had an outstanding defense statistically in 2020. You know, they eked out the division based on the fact that their defense looked so good and people were having so much trouble moving and scoring on. They came into this season with people uh, really projecting them to be, if not the favorite, then at least the challenger, a challenger for the NFC East. And what we saw in actuality was that their defense didn't just regress to the mean. It went all the way past the mean to the bottom of the barrel. Right now they are giving up points and droves. I think they're giving up the second most yards uh, of any team in the NFL. And part of it's because they faced a couple of pretty good offenses. One of them is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Cowboys also gave up a lot of yards too. And uh, crap. uh, Oh, they played the Bills. You know, the Bills put up a lot of yards. So all of a sudden they're finding out that their defense can't carry them because it's very rare that a team actually is carried by its defense. What happens is they run into offenses that aren't very good and the defense throttled them down. Yeah. Effectively meaning effectively what you're saying is if you're going to expose an overrated defense, you need to be able to bring an o- a, a great offense to the party to do it. And I think the excellent point of your article was the Patriots don't have a great offense to bring to the table to do it. If the Cowboys yeah. are overrated and perhaps it may be true. And I actually have said this on the pod a little bit that I think 
the hype machine is probably going to build a little bit further beyond what it should with this defense over the next couple of weeks because they're going to play a lot of bad teams and bad offenses. As I pointed out a week ago, four of their next five games were against teams at the time that had just one win. Now the Patriots do have two wins now, but who are those two wins against, Tom? They are against the New York Jets and the Houston Texans. And that vaunted offense that is supposed to expose the Cowboys overrated defense was able to muster just 25 and 25 points against the Jets and the Texans respectively in each of those games. Yeah. And Matt I believe Jones Dan- failed to throw for more than 280 yards and Mac Jones hasn't thrown for more than 282 yards in any game this season, despite the fact that he's trailed in multiple games by multiple touchdowns in the third and fourth quarter. He's had you- garbage time. And still hasn't been had able to throw for 300. Yeah. And he, he, I think, is – he only – he's like 20th among NFL quarterbacks. Uh, 24th, I, I think. Which, yeah, I think it, it depends on the stat. I think in yards per game, maybe it was he came out ranked 20th, which incidentally puts him behind Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts and uh, – you know, all all five of the quarterbacks that the Cowboys have played already rank higher than Matt Jones. Yes. Uh, the team, I believe, according I think Dan Rogers said that they are the second worst team at scoring touchdowns in the NFL. They are not able to produce. Only out of the, the Jets. Yeah. Yes. And so for them to suddenly jump ahead of the Cowboys defense, which has been very opportunistic and has made good stands along the way in all their games. I just don't see that happening. Uh, Admittedly, the Cowboys have breakdowns, but the biggest vulnerability they've had really has been the long pass where they've gotten somebody get open, the coverage broke down, and then the player was able to run free for an extra 10, 20 yards and get a a big, long reception. Well, Mac Jones is, as the writers of the article that fired us up so much, even admitted, playing a safe game, short passes, little swings, screens. He's not airing it out because – Let's face it, he's a rookie. He's not ready to take that load off. And the team is trying to manage him and give him a chance to do something. It's just, I don't think that's something that's going to challenge the Cowboys very much. Meanwhile, on the other side, the Cowboys offense is rolling in. And whatever way you look at them, they're up in the top 10 or top five. If you're looking at the quarterback performance, if you're looking at overall yards, if you're looking at points scored, just whatever you want to look at, they are one of the top-ranked teams in the league on their their offense. They are very difficult to start. That's why uh, when you look at things like the DVOA measurement at, at Football Outsiders, I think they've got them as the Cowboys as the number two team overall because they're very high offensively and above average defensively. There's a lot of teams out there that do very well on one end 
and very poorly on the other because of that interplay between, well, gosh, we get behind because our defense can't stop anybody. So the offense has to go out and scramble like crazy and throw a bunch of deep balls trying to catch up, which raises their DVOA rating. Although they do account a little bit for the situation, you still see a lot of yards building up on teams that look great statistically, but the results are not always working out for the team. And I just, I'm like you, I, I think this is a combination of factors in New England right now. They're kind of caught with having gone through a talent drain. Uh, Bill Belichick is just not able to work enough magic to overcome what he's got. The Cowboys should frankly be taking care of business. And maybe if the Cowboys only win by two scores, then yeah, maybe their defense was overrated because I think they should win by three or more. And again, not to be cocky, but I'm absolutely right there with you. And I go back to that question about whether or not I'm afraid of Bill Belichick. Sure, I do give him his respect, but the reason I actually don't see it as a trap game is because of his legacy. NFL players know how dangerous he as a coach is, and for that reason, I don't think the Cowboys will take the Patriots lightly, even though they have every reason to do so. The Patriots have just one game in which a runner – has run for more than 70 yards. That was game one. Damian Harris had a 100-yard game since then. Their past two games, their leading rusher had 58 yards and four. You heard that right. Their leading rusher had four yards against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They do not have more than two players who have more than 30 yards rushing, and Mac Jones is one of them. And they have not had a wide receiver have a 100-yard receiving game in five games this season. Jacoby Myers is their number one target, and he's got 305 yards on the year, less than Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz. So Mm -hmm. in my opinion, when I look at what the Patriots bring to the table, unless they're going to get 14 to 21 points from their defense or (laughs) from their special teams unit, then I don't think there's any chance in hell they can, they can hang with the Cowboys on Sunday. And I think unless there's some type of weather issue to slow the Cowboys down, we're looking at another possible 40-point performance from the Cowboys offense combined with what may very well be a defensive score here or there because as many touchdowns as Mac Jones has thrown this season, five of them, he's also thrown as many picks. And I suspect either Anthony Brown or – Trayvon Diggs will extend their streak of interceptions in a game in this game on Sunday against the Patriots. So for all those reasons, right? Yes, I still have respect for Belichick, but I don't see it as a trap game because the team will have respect for Belichick. And quite honestly, they don't have the horses to be able to trap you. If the Cowboys go up there and play even a modest game by their standards, an offensive game like they played against the Los Angeles Chargers in week two, for example, I still think they find a way to win this game and maybe do so pretty comfortably. Yeah, it's it's really a, a situation where you would have to have these teams be pretty much the exact opposite of what they've been for the first 
five games, especially the, the last three games yes. that the Cowboys have played. You would have to see everything just completely turn on its head for them. And you'd have to see the Patriots turn everything on its head for them. Uh, and I, yeah, I, it's, I, we've all been fooled before, but this year feels different. It's something that's been coming out on social media. People have been talking about it. There is an air about this team. There's an aura of confidence. There is one Rain Dakota Prescott who is out there demanding that his teammates keep their foot on the gas. And, and he has the, the command of that team. He is the unquestioned leader on and off the field. Uh, every, they believe in him, and they are doing everything they can to support him. And they all know full well what a difference he makes. You know, he's the, the one guy that he's the, the greatest difference between this year and last year. There's a lot of other differences, but him being back with the team is the single biggest factor in what they're doing this year. Sits right now after five games, Dak Prescott, third in the league in touchdown passes behind only Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. He's thrown just three interceptions to those 13 touchdowns. He's second in the league behind Russell Wilson in quarterback rating. He has been absolutely phenomenal in so many ways and has not really had to do it all by himself, which is the great part about it because as we've also pointed out or has been pointed out by several outlets, both Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott rank in the top 10 in both yards per carry and total yards through the first five weeks of the season. So it goes back yeah. to the Cowboys have every ability to put this game away early as they've basically done for three weeks in a row now. I mean, I think all of these games, um, while they've been close maybe after the first half, basically in the third quarter, the Cowboys decide to step on the gas, put their foot on the team's throat, and it is done. And they've done that in two straight weeks, right? Against the Panthers, they did it. And then three, well, three straight weeks when they did it in the third quarter, right? Was that they kind of pull away in yeah, the third quarter I, then? Yeah, they, they blew up on the Eagles. In the That's second right. half they did. of every game, they've had a solid three-score and when I say solid three score, it means it would take three touchdowns to catch up mm -hmm. to them in the last three games. Sometime in the third quarter, or I think in one, it was literally seconds into the fourth quarter. And, and the thing is, a lot of us actually saw hints of all this coming because you keep mentioning the thing about, you know, the running backs and you mentioned the wide receivers earlier. Elliot and Pollard are two of the main reasons why CD lamb and Amari Cooper are having a quiet start to the season. Yeah. The Cowboys don't, don't need, need them for them. a quarter and a half. <laughs> yeah. They don't need them except, you know, just like I said, just make sure you get the ball to them enough that teams don't quit ignoring them and, and bring their defenders up to start, stop something else. And, and that's really all it is. And, and quite frankly, if, if a team just decides to sell out against the run, Dak's going to just laugh his butt off and, and find Cooper or Lamb or Cedric Wilson or maybe even Noah Brown. Or above all, he's going to hit Dalton Schultz. 
Yeah, the, the weapons are just like we said. There are so many weapons, the Cowboys are having a hard time utilizing them all, even in a game where they score, where they put up 500 yards of offense. And, and it's just, it's everything we kind of were hoping was going to happen is starting to happen only better than I think we hoped. And, and, and it can get better from here. Yeah. That's and the I've crazy never, part. I've never seen a year when I was looking around so hard and not finding the thing that they fooled us about. You know, Kellen Moore is exactly who we thought he was, a mad genius out there throwing weird plays plus the the standard staples mixed up in a combination that is just driving defenses crazy. Dan Quinn came in and absolutely uh, got this defense to buy into his ideas and got them to put out the effort and become aggressive. Did you did you see where on Wednesday that Quinn was out there with a helmet and some pads on his arms, hmm. cut blocking the defensive linemen to get them ready for what he thought the England was going to do to them? Mm-hmm. The coach in a helmet mixing it up with his players. They respect that. They love that. You've got all that. Dak is as good as we thought he was going to be after the start he had last year. Uh, Elliot literally is in the best shape of his life. No joke, no exaggeration, no kidding. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Pollard has stepped up uh, the way we all hoped. By the way, Uh, did you see Zeke's quote about, uh, about his shape this season? He was asked about being in a lot better shape and, and said, you know, did he work more on his mind or did he work more on his body this off season? (laughs) And he said, 100% 100% I worked on my body. I had to make up for last year's S show, which, by yes. the way, I mean, not a bad season for Ezekiel Elliott a season ago, but arguably, statistically, from a yards per carry standpoint, from a statistical standpoint, one of his worst, right? A good season by other running back standards, but one of his worst. Well, he's making up for that in droves this season. I think actually yards per carry, he's ahead of 2016. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is, he is on a tear. He's on a mission. So he's not he's done. proving something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's proving something to the league that that contract, you know, he's justifying it. You might argue that it's, it's still too big to pay. Yeah, a running back, I would, but, but I'm not. My gosh, it. he's going to do everything he can to get him a return on the investment. And then there was the draft class. Uh, if you look at, Pressures among all rookies. Osio Zua, man, has been. Yeah, he and Micah Parsons are always in the top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trayvon Diggs is strictly a bonus. Everyone thought, well, he'll take a step forward in his second year. Nobody thought it would be this huge a leap. And suddenly he's in the, the conversation for uh, uh, defensive player of the year. And it's interesting because he's still got a lot of growth out there. He does have poor coverage on a lot of plays. If you, uh, when people go in and look at the uh, the, the the video, uh, Bob Stern pointed this out in his latest uh, article at the Athletic, looking at Dan Quinn's defense. He showed some plays where Diggs was not in the right position, but Diggs is gambling, and he's winning, and he's outright baiting quarterbacks, which 
brings us back to is Mac Jones going to realize when Diggs is beaten versus when Diggs is just holding back to make a play on the ball? Yeah, I don't think Jones is ready to uh, to discern that. And I I really think it's a, an excellent chance that Diggs is going to continue his, his interception streak. Yeah, the only thing stopping him there is whether Mac Jones decides to actually not throw his way. And Mac Jones has been just, so focused on the likes of Jacoby Myers, he has almost 21 more targets than any other wide receiver on the team that you would expect any other target, really. Uh, Hunter Henry, the two tight ends, a lot of people thought they'd be utilizing the likes of Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith a lot more, a la, you know, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Well, it hasn't really gone that way um, mm-hmm. through the first five games of the season. I do want to go back to two names you mentioned because this, I think, is going to be a hotter c- debate that will continue as the season goes along amongst Cowboys fans. Is Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn doing more for their prospects to be an NFL head coach this offseason? Because what Dan Quinn has done, as you mentioned, come in and turned around a unit that was arguably one of the worst in the league to what seems to be a mid-level unit. Now, if you're evaluating it in the way that you and I described it earlier in the pod, you would say that some of that is a product of, of who they have played, but there's no doubt that Dan Quinn's stamp is all over this defense and his influence is being felt and it appears to be being noticed around the NFL. Not to mention the fact that he already has that head coaching pedigree and guys who have that head coaching pedigree one time typically do get recycled in back into that position at some point. On the other hand, Kellen Moore maybe the new wonder boy of the NFL, right? The way that they get infatuated with the likes of Sean McVay or um, Kyle Shanahan or, you know, um, shoot, Sean Payton before that, right? He may be the new young gun flavor of the NFL and today's NFL. Which of those two do you think is making more headway for their prospects to be a head coach this offseason? A lot of people may be surprised, but I'm going to say Dan Quinn. I think you listed some of the reasons that, that, that go through my head about him, and that one is he's been there. He's been fired as a head coach, yes. But interestingly enough, look who he's working with, a fired head coach who came back and is making a second run at it that may be very successful, and, of course, Mike McCarthy. He also had less to work with coming in the door than Kellen Moore had at the start of the season. We all knew that Kellen Moore had Dak Prescott, what looked to be and turned out to be a much healthier and more capable offensive line. We knew we had the running backs. We knew we had the wide receivers. We knew we had, or we thought we had an emerging tight end in Dalton Schultz. Kellen just, he has the ingredients. He's kind of like if you had one of those cooking shows mm-hmm. and 
one person has a full gourmet grocery to pick from and 20 minutes to go in and shop for his agreements. And the other guys got, got 20 bucks and a family dollar store to figure out what to make his meal with. Because when Dan Quinn walked in, there was the cupboard was just dang near bare. Quinn came in and I firmly believe had very effective input into the kinds of players he needed to acquire for his defense to work and got them. To me, the job he's done in rebuilding the defense is more impressive than Kellen Moore continuing to work magic that we always already saw last year with largely the same cast of characters before Dak was hurt. That's a pretty compelling argument. And I could (laughs) say you almost sold me. But the truth of the matter is, Tom, that when it comes down to it, the shiny toy nine times out of ten is on the offensive side of the ball. Teams want – owners want their teams to score points and do it in bunches because that is the most exciting brand of football that comes to the table that brings the fans into the stands. And in that way, Kellen Moore has been the one that's done more for his profile. As the Cowboys offense continues to be amongst the tops in the league in terms of points per game and and the yardage totals and all those things – Kellen Moore's star will continue to rise. There will be moments when the defense may struggle, but the offense probably won't have any of those. And for now, Dak Prescott waiting just on the outside wings of the MVP conversation from a national perspective. I think we are here ready to have that conversation amongst Cowboys Nation. And I think we would be doing it in good faith. It would not be a, you know, outrageous prediction to say Dak Prescott would ultimately win the MVP award this season, but I don't think he's being talked about in that light just yet nationally. When he does, that is only going to raise Kellen Moore's profile even more because we know that when the MVP gets talked about and the offense gets talked about, then the creator and the crafter of that offense is going to be talked about more and more. And so for me, while I agree with everything that you said, and especially the part about the bear cupboard and how he's had to find the ingredients as well as cook the meal. Whereas Kellen Moore was gifted the ingredients. I still feel that what Kellen is doing fair or not from an offensive standpoint is going to draw more eyes and ultimately will draw more attention when the offseason comes around. The question is, is Jerry going to pay two coaches like their head coaches on his assistant staff as he's done before? Right. I um, I, I would. and I sure as hell would. And, and I have some hope, uh, especially with Kellen, that he's going to want to stay with Dallas because he realizes he's not walking into an offensive roster like that just about anywhere else in the league, especially not the team that's or the teams are going to come calling. Um, you know, they're going to be teams that are a wreck that may not have a quarterback at all. And Moore will realize that he'll have a very tough job and he may want to be selective about the position he gets as in, he may want to wait for somebody to retire something. It's 
unfortunately, you know, I don't think that there's a realistic path for him to stay with the Cowboys as the head coach uh, if the Cowboys have success because Mike McCarthy is going to want to stick around. Um, now, Quinn, you know, he may be a lot more a lot more willing to just make it a one and done and move on to another head coaching gig. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where his mind is. He may also find out that, well, if the pay is pretty close, which Jerry Jones most assuredly can make happen, maybe being the defensive coordinator is just more fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I I have. I know that a lot of people. Uh, Brian Broadus in particular talks about the fact that there's only 32 of those head coaching jobs out there. They're very hard to pass up. But I have had jobs, taken a couple of jobs in my life, where I had to take a pay cut. But I smiled going to work instead of getting up. And dreading having to drag myself in and face the chaos and the negativity and the toxic atmosphere. Hmm. And as we've all found out, there's some pretty toxic atmospheres out there in the NFL. Boy, if this week isn't any indication of that, then uh, you haven't been paying attention. So yeah. long. Sayonara, John Gruden. Uh, yeah. Never and really enjoyed almost- you all that much, but definitely don't enjoy you now. Yeah, that's all we'll say about that. That's their problem, and the NFL has a larger problem. We're going to hear more about this in the future, but oh, we better we better dive into what the Washington football team was all about during those times when the Grudens were running the show. But that's another story for another day, and I think we'll get to it at some point. We've kind of already given it away, I think, but just to make sure we round this thing out, let's get some predictions against the New England Patriots and how things will go. Slated for a 325 kick on CBS on Sunday. I'll go first on this one, Tom, so that maybe I can set the bar beyond what you're willing to go. I think the Cowboys are going to win this one handily, 41-17. to And again, Mm. we find ourselves in a position where maybe that gets to 24 or maybe that gets a little bit higher because the Cowboys have taken care of things so handily early on. But I do not see this game being a close one. I see the Cowboys taking care of business, and I see them walking out of New England 5-1. and one. Yeah, I, I agree with you on just about everything. The number that was in my head was 37-19. Um, and that's just – I just think they're going to uh, – the, the Cowboys still get down in the red zone and wind up with field goals. I think that's going to happen a few times. And I'm not banking on a defensive score because that was what got them to the beloved 40-burger last week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I uh, we're very similar. It's just a matter of a few few digits. So, yeah, I look for the Cowboys to be 5-1 and one in going into the bye, which – if you had offered that to us before the season started, how much would we have paid to get that guaranteed? Oh, Jerry Jones type of money. Yeah. But now, now I'm looking beyond that, Tom. I'm looking at seven, eight, and one. But we'll get to that next week. 
when we get back to being riled up on the Cowboys. Of course, every Thursday, check out your favorite podcast right here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. Riled up with my man Tom Ryle at Tom Ryle BTB and your boy Roy White at RW3 here on Twitter. You can hit us up, reach out to us, let us know what you think about how the Cowboys are going to play against the New England Patriots. And are we being too overconfident? Are Tom and I being too overconfident? Bring us down to earth if you think that's what you need to do, or you know, give us some of your smoke. Tell us what you think and whether or not you think we're being too easy, too light on the expectations of the Dallas Cowboys here going forward. For that, for Tom, I'm Roy. Get riled up, folks. It's the Cowboys, and we move into 5-1. and one. We'll see you next week. <laughs>